How many legs will a chicken lay? You know what? It depends on how hot it is. If you've noticed that <clears throat> your chickens or your favorite chickens have slowed down a little bit and it's not, you know, turning into winter yet, it's because they slow down when it's too hot. Just like humans, it's like they're all walking around squawking about the heat. Um, when it cools off, there will be another bounty of eggs. Yeah, it's a mouthful. Smart talk about food, wine, and farming in Sonoma County and beyond. Michelle Anna Jordan, live in the studio. Thanks for joining us um, before I introduce our guests. And we have a full house for a tasty Sonoma County show tonight. I just want to give a shout out to the executive director of Farm Trails, Carmen Snyder, and her hardworking uh, staff and crew of nearly 400 volunteers for pulling off an absolutely fabulous Gravenstein Apple Fair again. I think it was the 46th annual fair. It was really wonderful this year. The weather cooperated. It was not too hot. Um, anyway, y'all did a great job. I hope you've rested up. Um, though you may not have, you may need another few days at a spa or a masseuse or something, but it was really a lovely, lovely fair this year. And the Gravensteins were absolutely glorious, just wonderful. And so was the uh, freshly pressed on the spot Gravenstein apple juice um, that Slow Food now has, always, has been doing for several years at the fair. Just a great time. I was there for two days in the um, artisan tasting uh, lounge serving um, tabbouleh. I switched from blueberry risotto to tabbouleh because I thought we needed some sort of bright, uh, acidic contrast to all the rich cheeses and other rich foods that were being served, and it turned out perfectly. And on that note, we've got another event coming up on next Saturday, August 31st, Taste of, the Sin Taste of Sonoma, which... Um, has been held in a couple of different places. Uh, Sarah Lee's Vineyard for one, and then McMurray Ranch. Um, it is now at the Green Music Center at Sonoma State University. Um, is it the second year or the third year? It's the third year. Third year, okay. I have not been there yet. I will be there this year. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, our guests are, if I can read my own writing, we have um, the Executive Director of Sonoma County Victors, Michael Haney. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. You bet. We have uh, Mark Hansen from Bricolor Vineyards. Bricolor Vineyards. Colin Vesler, the executive chef of Simi Winery. Great to be here. Thank you so much. And Mike Sullivan of Bonovia Winery. Hi, Michelle. Great to be here. Um, thank. I really appreciate it, you guys coming out on a Sunday evening when I imagine, you know, you might be one, might want to rather be home. You know, enjoying some food and wine, but we will be enjoying wine this evening, of course. So before we go into the event, I want to ask you something about the status and state of Sonoma County wine, um, because I only I hear anecdotally. I certainly have personal relationships with a lot of our wineries um, and it seems like a lot of people are still struggling. This is our second vintage after the fires. And I've just talked to several wineries that say attendance is still down and that there is still this misconception beyond Sonoma County and especially in other states that y we were pretty much wiped out uh, by the fires. Um, what's going on with that? Sure, I can, I can surely talk about that a second. Um, if you talk to a lot of our members, and we represent close to 275 different wineries throughout Sonoma County, um, we hear uh, similar in regards to visitation is a little bit down at wineries. However, the interesting thing is, at many of those wineries, sales are up. Mm 
And what we're seeing is wineries now are creating more extensive experiences for that consumer Mm -hmm. who's visiting, which the consumer really wants. So they're spending more time seeing less people, but of course engaging that customer and um, uh, being able to translate out that to better sales. Mm -hmm. And how is that translating for events such as this big one? Oh, um, we've had a great ticket sale year for Taste of Sonoma this year. We are up in sales from last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's uh, of course, a, a big part of that is, you know, the wine guys like we have here and chefs like Colin here who are going to be there. Uh, you know, Taste of Sonoma is such a fantastic one-day immersion. You can go to one location and experience over 135 chefs and wineries. So it's a pretty popular ticket, and we've seen those ticket sales do really well this year. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's good news. It is. Um, I was surprised when I, t- uh, I talked to mostly boutique wineries, and I was surprised that... Um, that there was still that perception out there in the rest of the country that um, you know, that we're worse off than we actually mm-hmm. are. So uh, I'm happy to hear that. Now I want to go around the table and uh, let's start with Bricolor. 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 Okay, tell me about the name. Well, Bricolor is kind of an interesting name, right? To have mm-hmm, a, a French name for a California winery. But uh, it's a, you know I speak French, but. Bri- a lot of French people say it's kind of hard to translate word. Okay. Uh, you know, a simple definition would be handyman, but oh. uh, most French people would say that's really not the right definition. Okay. So for us, it's someone who starts building something without a clear plan, cobbling together a oh. whole piece by piece while sounds flying like, by the seat of their pants, which is kind like of a fun definition. how I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and it's amazing how many people we talk to that say, you know, they start out with a plan in life, and then something happens, and they shift, and uh, really is the story of many people's lives. John Lennon, what did he say? Uh, life is what happens while you're making other plans. Absolutely. It fits right in. So you poured something for us, and I can't see the label. We poured uh, flying by the seat of our pants, uh, which is a... Uh, <laughs> which ties in Which perfectly. is a rosé of Grenache from Kick Ranch, which is a well-known uh, uh, vineyard in um, Fountain Grove District in Santa Rosa. And the rosé of Grenache is modeled after a, a number of the French rosés, very nice and uh, mm-hmm. dry and crisp. And yes, it's perfect nice. for a hot day like today. Perfect. For in I'll pour weather. a little right now. Ah, one of Mouthful's favorite sounds. Um, what will you be doing at Taste of Sonoma? Well, this is our first year at Taste of Sonoma mm-hmm. since we're a uh, newer um, boutique winery that when did started you open? in, in uh, 2017 was our first vintage. Oh, my goodness. And you are in Fountain Grove? Uh, we're actually in Russian River District. Uh, okay, we're on Star Road in Windsor. Okay. But we buy grapes and we own uh, Kick Ranch also in okay. Fountain Grove. So we okay. have two estate vineyards. Uh-huh. So, that was, so you had a really challenging start with that first vintage with the fires oh it was interesting but uh everyone's very pleased with our initial mm-hmm. wines and um we're excited to be a member of the t- and showing at taste of sonoma which mm-hmm. our first year we'll be highlighting our rosé of grenache or flying by the seat of our pants we'll be highlighting our sauvignon blanc from a uh, kick ranch we'll be highlighting our um unoak chardonnay which is russian uh, river right chardonnay. on unoak chardonnay we and, love that and also our russian river chardonnay from mm-hmm. our property on uh star road in windsor Oh, excellent. Uh, Now, in the past, if I'm correct, wineries would pair with a chef. That's how it worked for a while. Is that happening the same way this year? It won't be a one-to-one pairing, okay. but we do have chefs in the in the grand tasting okay, area. Okay, but it's not going to be one-on-one anymore. Absolutely okay. right. Okay. But so we love food-to-wine pairings, but we're absolutely. not we're not pairing directly with someone ourselves. Okay. And, you know, rosé, one of the things I love about rosés, especially when they're patterned after that French style, they're so food-friendly. Yes. Uh, almost as food-friendly as what I think is the most food-friendly wine is uh, Pinot no- Russian River Valley Pinot Noir. Which definitely pairs with a lot of different things. A lot of different things. Excellent. Okay, we will come back to you. I'll want to hear more, but let's get everybody in the conversation from um, Bonovio. Yeah, hi, Michelle. Hi. Tell us about the winery and what you'll be doing. Yeah, so we started the winery about 14 years ago. We own and farm 72 acres, organic. We farm them organically and sustainably on three sites within the Russian River Valley. We focus principally on Pinot Noir and Chardonnay in Russian River. Mm -hmm. And uh, I grew up here in Sonoma County and have been in the industry for over 30 years. Um, Love Sonoma County, and uh, this is really our passion. At Taste of Sonoma, we're going to be participating in many different opportunities. I'm going to be moderating a panel for Russian River Valley talking about the neighborhoods. We're going to be in the Visa Signature Lounge, and we're going to be doing the first ever uh, 
um, library tasting were featured as one of the library wines. So we, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my track shoes on, and I'm yeah, running from spot say, to spot. Are you so. triplets? <laughs> <laughs> and so how, how many different wines will you be pouring at the event? Uh, it, we'll be pouring different wines at the, at so the different, uh, library. I, I say, yeah. Yeah. That was so the, the wrong question. The grand, the grand tasting will pour probably two wines at the okay. grand tasting. We'll be pouring a different wine at the library and a different wine at the, at the VC Signature Lounge. Okay. Excellent. So, uh, we have lots of wines and lots of opportunities to uh, interact with uh, with winemakers and mm-hmm. and uh, wine per- chefs and wine personalities. Tell me about your Pinot Noir. What? Um, tell me about the styles. Yeah. So I always say that we have a foot in the old world and a foot in the new world. Um, you know, I really love classic structure, acidity, vibrancy, wines that pair well with food. But we're not making we're not making wine in in uh, northern France. So you know, we embrace the the weather and the climate that we have here in Sonoma County. So we have ripe, lush wines that are balanced with great acidity. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of the clones that you prefer? Oh, great question. So we, at our estate vineyard around the winery, have, we have 10 different clones, and we tend to focus on heritage or heirloom clones that have been mm-hmm. here in California for the last you know 80 or so years. Mm-hmm. So we have cuttings from the original 1953 planting at uh, Hansel. Mm-hmm. We have some, uh, some cuttings from the original Shalone vineyard from the 1943 planting down there. Uh, Hansel, Mount Eden, uh, uh, Swan, some old Pomard, and Martini. So a whole bunch of selections. Oh, excellent! You yeah. have some great clones going on there. Yeah. So that's sort of that's that's our focus as a as a young winery. We've been around for 14 years. Mm-hmm. We had the we had the fortune to plant these vineyards in the last decade, and we took advantage of uh, modern techniques in terms of viticulture, but also uh, history and heritage uh, of the of the varietal in California. Mm-hmm. And then with Chardonnays, what? Um, style direction do you go in? Yeah, so we've we planted a number of heritage clones there too, uh, mostly old Wente selections from Larry Hyde and from some other people that hold their natural acidity. Um, so we're making a style that's bright and vibrant in terms of the acid. Um, we barrel ferment with less new oak and we're really... Some of, the, some of the wines we only take partially through malolactic, so we're mm-hmm. really looking for a bright, uh, leaner, more food-friendly style. Mm, um, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, there was that big, buttery oak bomb that was so popular, I think, in the 80s and early 90s. In the 90s. It really sort of came came to fruition in the in the mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the more batonage, the, the more malolactic, uh, the more oak that you threw at the wines— uh, the critics, the critics certainly uh, wrap those with their arms and embrace them, and um, turned a lot of customers on to Chardonnay. Yes, but those it did. Same, but and many of those customers still love that style. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, there's a that that those customers are have now moved on to uh, millennials and Gen Xers, and they're mm-hmm. looking for something completely different. Yeah, and that that style, which is so distinct, distinctly a California style, it's. Very challenging to parrot, I think, to parrot successfully with um, food. You've got certain things. You've got corn, <laughs> corn custard, um, corns with scallops, um, and salmon w- with a sauce that will go with it. But if you start branching out into other foods, it can they can fight with each other. So I've been really pleased with both um, less oak, less malolactic, maybe no no oak or no malolactic. And I have been, I quit drinking Chardonnays for a long time because they were just too, to me, they were too flabby. Um, and I've noticed a real change in that in the last couple of years. And I really welcome that because, you know, poor Chardonnay, it didn't want to be disliked and it didn't want to be challenging. So I think y'all have been doing a much better job. Um, let's bring Colin in. You're the executive Executive chef at Simi Winery. You guys had a great celebration. Was it a hundred, hundred and fifty year celebration or something a few years ago? It would be a hundred and forty. Forty. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that was a great party. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, yes. And you had a great. Was, ris- you had a wonderful mushroom risotto. Mm-hmm. Some pizzas from the pizza oven. Yes. Made by your sous chef wearing a kilt. Yes. <laughs> and a great little. Um, I think it was a coffee bar. That was in a trail, a little teardrop trailer that opened up, and there was the coffee bar. I just thought yes. that was so cute. And he's a he's a local Sonoma County right. guy who's a lot of libations, and mm-hmm. he uh, goes around to different parties and mm-hmm. and makes. Uh, cocktails as well as coffee drinks and things mm-hmm. like that so yeah. it was a lot of fun i remember when i was a little baby writer um 
just doing my first few columns back in oh, the 80s, I got an invitation to see me for a food and wine pairing luncheon. And it was the first one I ever went to, and it was when Mary Evely oh, yes. had begun introducing her um, food and wine pairing luncheons. Mm-hmm. And it was just... it. W- that was a long time ago. That was in the 80s. And Mary has since passed away. Yep. But she did that lovely book, self-published, or published by Simi, um, the wine pairing book that is a great resource for people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and when I came on uh, six years ago, um, that book is still utilized in some way, shape, or form mm-hmm. um, just to basically look back on a little bit of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just kind of fun fact, there's only been three chefs at the winery since it's opened. So Mary Everly, Eric Lee, and then myself. So it's 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 an it's it's a it's really cool um um heritage that I'm trying to uphold mm-hmm. with Mary Everly. She was kind of one of the first people to do those wine and pairing lunches and things Absolutely. like that in California. So it's 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 a lot of heritage at CME. Mm-hmm. And so what's the scope of your work now? Uh, certainly it would be parties, but what else yes. do you do at the winery? Um, probably about 85% of our business is um, uh, trade and uh Sales reps, distributors, mm. um, mm-hmm. anybody who's selling our wine, uh, they are coming in via their sales reps. Um, we show them, um, uh, they do tour and tasting, mm-hmm. and then we do like a, a coursed out meal for them, or we'll do a lobster boil or pizza dinner or lunch. Um, mm-hmm. So it's basically, we're just showing them a good time, and hopefully they continue to buy um, or buy more wine for us. Mm. So. It's, and, it's a lot of fun. And what will you be doing at Taste of Sonoma? Uh, Taste of Sonoma will be uh, showing our dry rosé, um, and we're pairing it with a uh, marinated halibut um, with uh, corn, tomatoes, uh, fennel, uh, wild fennel oil, and a little bit of, uh, we make our own uh, fish sauce out of... You like, make your own fish sauce? Yes. Now, of, that's the first place in Sonoma County that I've heard that's making their own fish sauce. So obviously, um, Simi is an Italian heritage, t- Italian California heritage mm-hmm. wine. So uh, Italians do use uh, a version of fish sauce, you know, comparatively to the Asian mm-hmm. fish sauce. They do make one out of sardines and things mm-hmm. like that. So we basically get uh, San Francisco um, sardines as well as uh, Monterey Bay um, squid. So we do a combination oh. of these two. Um, to make to make the garum or okay. the fish sauce. Yeah. Do you do you fer- you must ferment it. We ferment it salt, and then it's basically layered with salt. Um, basically, it doesn't look that great, but eventually, maybe three to four months later, mm-hmm. it comes out to be this like umami bomb of mm-hmm. of flavor that we add to different dishes mm-hmm. and things like that. So we're kind of highlighting this a little bit in mm-hmm. this particular dish, as well as um, we're doing a little bit of verjus as well. Um, like so that adds now, a little bit of acidity. Do you do your own verjus from your own grapes? We do. Now, are either of those, the fish sauce or the, the verjus, are those available retail? They are not. They're not. No, but um, these these are things that potentially we could use. It. Um, mm-hmm. We... We definitely try and push a little bit of the boundaries in terms of mm-hmm. what we do at the winery because we really like to show how versatile the wines are, mm-hmm. how food-friendly the, the winemakers make them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we show a very a, a diverse amount of different types of food that we do. Obviously, we try and stay in that Italian-esque mm-hmm. sure. um, food genre, but we definitely like to show a little bit different of, of how things can be paired, and, mm-hmm. and it it. it it gives a little bit of enlightenment to other people, and but it just it gives us a little bit of fun as well when we're showing it to the guests. Uh-huh. And we should say that garum was 2,000 years ago or whatever. It was just a bunch of fish, like whole fish, including the guts, salt, mm-hmm. and like was buried in yep. a crock for a year or something and then drained off. Yes. Um, so and, obviously we're yeah. doing it in a little bit different sure. manner. Sure, <laughs> of course. <laughs> in general, it's pretty much the same, same way. Thing, you yeah. are using the whole fish, you're using salt, and basically it's just being fermented at a certain temperature for a certain period of time and then strained off and then utilized. And it's, and it's, it's a, a great, great combination. Idea. It's not like in-your-face flavor. It's more of a nuanced flavor. Mm-hmm. 
And then verjus, of course, is the juice of unripe grapes. Correct. It's, and it's not allowed to go through fermentation. So it's not vinegar, but no. it's not sweet grape juice either. Correct. And it's a great thing to cook with. And there have been a few, I think, Kendall Jackson... And a couple of other wineries are all have uh, done uh, verjus that it for retail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's that's definitely um, definitely something that could be an option for us. But uh, at that present time, mm-hmm. we basically just use it in our food programs. Mm-hmm. So, and do you do any of those food programs, any food pairings, or anything for the general uh, public? Uh, we do. Um, we have a kind of like a pizza cafe on Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays, oh, okay. um, which is usually from uh, 12, uh, 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock. And we make a certain amount of doughs every every three days because it, our process takes about three days to make our pizza doughs. Mm-hmm. So um, we make a certain amount for each day, and we basically cook it until they're, we run out of them. Mm-hmm. So. And it's been quite popular for us as of late. Excellent. That's really, that's exciting. I want want to put something about that on my website. We'll talk later. And we're going to hear a little bit of music right now. And I'd like to say happy birthday to Elvis Costello. He turned, if this can be true, 65 today. Here lies the powder and perfume The busy clothes are scattered round the room And it's so like candy My darling dear, it's such a waste She couldn't say Costello, So Like Candy. That was written by Paul McCartney, and it is on the album from quite 15, 16 years ago, Mighty Like a Rose. Another reason, other than it's his birthday, that I chose Elvis Costello for the music tonight is the last time I was at the Green Center for entertainment purposes was to see him, and he was absolutely incredible. He was in a very generous mood. He isn't always, but the older he gets, the more generous he gets. So I was able to take my grandson, who I think was 15, 14 or 15 at the time. We had second row center seats, and I have created an Elvis Costello fan for life in my grandson. So um, wonderful, wonderful music at the Green Music Center. What a, a great thing, a great addition to um, Sonoma State University. It's really lovely. Um, We're not going to move on to everything that's going on at Taste of Sonoma quite yet because Colin has tastes, including a rosé that you're going to tell us about, and then also uh, you have a taste of what you're going to be serving. Yes, yes, I do. Okay, so tell us about this beautiful rosé. Uh, so the rosé is um, a 2018. Um, it is uh, primarily uh, Merlot. Uh, there's some Cab, uh, Syrah, um, Grenache, and uh, uh, Tempranillo in there as well. Um, it's uh, primarily 95% of straight to press, and then 5% of it will be um, uh, on on the, the skins for 8 to 12 hours approximately, uh-huh. um, just to get that light blush color. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, it's, 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 it has a good acidity, I think, to it, and um, a little bit of uh, berries, strawberries, um, and a little bit of minerality as well. Um, 
I think it goes well with the dish that I'll be uh, preparing with it at the Taste of Sonoma, mm-hmm. um, just because of that acidity and the, the slight um, uh, minerality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the halibut that I'll be serving, is it's it's been marinated in a little bit of kombu, which is like a seaweed, mm-hmm. um, give a little bit of salinity to it. Um, then it's a mix of fennel, um, corn, tomatoes, uh, the garum that we talked mm-hmm. about, the fish sauce, as well as a little bit of verjou, um, utilizing a, um, a, a Chardonnay uh, mm. grape. Okay. Um, so um, in general, I, and we're also using a, a slightly fermented uh, tomato uh, water with it as well. Tell me about that. Um, so that's a very simple process. It Basically taking tomatoes, um, uh, sealing it uh, with a little bit of percentage of salt and then letting it um, sit at uh, a certain temperature for about four to five days. Depending, so just, de- just salt and tomatoes. Correct. Interesting. And then it basically gets a little bit of um, just more roundness of, of flavor of the tomato. Um, it does. It's not. It doesn't get funky or anything mm-hmm. like that. It just. It's, it just kind of like accentuates the umami flavor of mm-hmm. it. Last year, I fermented about two gallons of cherry tomatoes, mm. um, but I did the uh, brine, you know, th- what, three tablespoons to a quart, something like that. Um, just to say, I, wa- I was curious. Yep. And all I, d- I drained off the brine and I passed the tomatoes through a food mill. And I thought, okay, here I probably have the makings of an interesting sauce. I tasted it. It was the one of the best things I've ever tasted in my life. And I did nothing more to it just that. And so today at the farmer's market, I was seeing who's going to give me a good deal on a couple of uh, cases. Okay. Um, We could probably talk for hours on fermentation. We have to do another show on that. So do you have a taste of this for us? Yes, I do. If you would like to give me a couple minutes and then I'll get it all together. Okay, I'll give you a couple minutes and and you get it together and we'll talk about some of the other events other than eating and drinking. We'll talk about some of the Mm -hmm. listening events. So there's... um, well, let's do library wines first. Tell us about that. Sure. The library this year at Taste of Sonoma is a new feature that we've added, and it's a really a great area to come in and explore the ageability of, of wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll have a number of wineries, uh, and I think Benovia is, is part of that as well. Uh, they'll be pouring older wines, so consumers can hear the story about that particular wine, but also see how that wine ages and, and, mm-hmm. and how it changes as it goes through that process. So it's a really a fascinating uh, area to come in and get to taste wines that maybe you wouldn't have access to regularly. Right. Yeah. Now, is that something... Is it an all-access pass? You it buy can, the pass and you go into everything? Um, most of the, of the components of the tasting are all-access. Okay. There are a few special areas that do require uh, an, an enhanced ticket. Okay. Uh, but um, uh, for most of the tasting, your, your grand tasting there gets you all the wineries and mm-hmm. all the chefs. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a great day. Mm-hmm. And then there's... Um, you said something about panels. There's panel discussions. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that we're also very excited about is you can come out to Taste of Sonoma and, of course, interact with these fantastic winemakers like, you know, and, and, and wine professionals like Mark and Mike here and chefs like Colin um, and, and hear about the wines, taste the wines and food. Um, but also, uh, there's an educational component mm-hmm. um, to, to the event as well, and we have our Wine Talk series uh, each year. And this year, our AVA growing areas are really sponsoring those mm-hmm. and taking the lead on those. Uh, Alexander Valley is having their Cab Academy, and matter of fact, uh, Mike Sullivan here of Benovia is uh, leading one of the panels as well. Mike, you want to? Yeah, so the Rush River Valley has been, for the last 20 years, has been looking at the diversity within the Appalachian. It's a, it's a very large Appalachian. And uh, we, uh, 20 years ago, we began to sort of tease apart some of the differences within the AVA. Mm-hmm. And it, we've, they had been uh, historically referred to as neighborhoods. And at this point, we're looking at six different neighborhoods in the Russian River Valley. And this uh, wine talk is going to be exploring four of those neighborhoods. And who, who will be doing the talk? Yeah, so so I will be the I will be the panelist. I'll be the moderator, and we're actually going to have uh, four Russian River Valley wineries. There's going to be Alex Kanzler from Kanzler Vineyard. There's going to be um, Rod Berglund from Joseph Swan. There's going to be Hartford Court. Jeff uh, Stewart's mm-hmm. going to be there, and myself. Okay, excellent. Yeah. That's a great panel. Yes, I, and what are some, is anyone from Petaluma Gap? 
going to there be There are. Doing. There's a whole wine talk about Petaluma Gap. Pa- I there. love Petaluma Gap. Yeah, it, I love. It's really great. The, to me, it's Thomas Hardy country. It's the, oh, the fictional Wessex County. And I lived out there when I first came to Sonoma County. And it was very much, at that time, I lived on Old Lakeville Road, number three, on a dairy. And it was very much a dairy country. And now there's still, there's still dairy out there, but they're growing some great Pinot Noir as well. They surely are. So you'll, uh, consumers will get a chance to really hear about the Petaluma Gap and its impact, as well as uh, you can go and taste some fantastic Zinfandels at Dry Creek's uh, seminars well. And mm-hmm. then Fountain Grove is talking about elevated cabs as well. So there's a really nice diversity in the mm-hmm. wine talks as well. So you can come in, sit down, hear from uh, these great wine producers, taste their wines, and um, get a little bit more education, more in, you know, more detailed education, and then go back out and enjoy the rest of the day. Um, is there any entertainment? There's a lot of entertainment. There's uh, more musical acts this year that will be spread out throughout mm-hmm. um, Taste of Sonoma, different themes, different styles. Uh, which we're really excited about. And then, of course, there is the silent disco that is quite entertaining as well. And if you've Silent never, at disco. Silent disco. I, last year was that's the first a, time I saw a silent uh, disco. Everyone's dancing with headphones on. That's exactly really? right. Really? Oh, I was just that's joking. It. No. So you go into the <laughs> silent disco and you put your headphones on, so you walk by and you don't hear any music, but you see all these people dancing and that's having hilarious. a great time. So it's very popular. And Wire, is the music headphones so that yes. they could dance freely? Absolutely. And is the music actually disco music or various? Music? I think it's various music. Okay, yes. that's truly hilarious. It, I love that. It, it's interesting <laughs> to see. And then there's all sorts of uh, themed lounges as well. Rodney Strong has a fantastic lounge. What are they going to be doing? Oh gosh, they'll be pouring, of, of course, some of their fantastic wines, including their their rosé as well. They'll have a chef there pairing some food and wines in mm-hmm. there. There'll be music in that lounge as well. Um, uh, Gloria Ferrer will have the Bubble Lounge. I was going to, that was my next question. What's happening with the Bubble Lounge? Absolutely. That's back and it's always a very popular lounge there. So we've got some fantastic fun lounges that that uh, attendees can come into and have some great food and wine pairings and some again some unique musics in in, in, in those lounges as well so again there's something for everybody now the last time I went in the bubble lounge there were oysters on the half shell and macaroni and cheese lollipops <laughs> <laughs> yep both of which go fabulously with sparkling wine. Are those going to be there this year? Uh, you know, um, I think so. Um, mm-hmm. But everybody can go on to the website, tastesofsonoma.com okay. oh, okay. and um, the listings are right there of who all is going to be there like uh, Mark and his fantastic winery and mm-hmm. Simi and, and Mike and Bonovia and so many others. Mm-hmm. So if you have a favorite wine here in Sonoma County, it's probably going to be there. Mm-hmm. And if you have a favorite chef, they're probably going to be there. When it comes to people who attend, what's the balance between people out of the area and people in the area? You know, that's a great question. And while we have a great local support um, for Taste of Sonoma, you see a lot of the Bay Area coming Mm -hmm. up for the event as well. And each year we've been seeing more and more people who are planning their Labor Day vacations Mm -hmm. uh, and making Taste of Sonoma a component of that. So we're starting to see people even from New York and the East Coast I've always seen people from out of, I see a lot of people from Texas, mm-hmm. um, South Carolina, you know, the whole eastern seaboard. Absolutely. I, see, I see more people from out of the area than I do people within the area, and I've been hoping that that was continuing. Definitely. You know, so that's a, that's a fantastic byproduct of the event, so to bring people out here to Sonoma County and and taste our wines and our foods and, and, and meet our, our fantastic winery people mm-hmm. out here, because as we all know, once someone comes to Sonoma County, we got them. It's so beautiful here. The people are so fantastic. The food and the wine are world class, uh, so it's exciting to, to entertain them. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take another Birthday break for Elvis Costello here on Mouthful. It's not very far from sulfur to sugar cane. Everywhere I travel, the pretty girls call my name. It's not very far from sulfur to sugar cane. 
Winded piano here in Bloomington, Indiana. I'll play it with my toes until the girls all take their clothes off. The women knock upon my door in odd and even numbers, but none of them as wild as I discovered in Columbus. I gave up married women 'cause I heard it was a sin, but now I'm back in Pittsburgh. I might take it up again because the trouble with the finest champagne. Very far from Sulphur to Sugar King. Elvis Costello, Sulphur to Sugarcane, and that is from, ah, remind me of the title? That was. Sacred, Profane, and Sugarcane. Yes. I saw him down at Wente Winery not long after that came out. Oh, it was a great show. Great show. We are eating something so delicious. I wish I could just pass it through the microphone straight to you, but you can try it at Taste of Sonoma. This is the marinated halibut with corn, tomatoes, a little bit of fennel, and that fish sauce that you make. Yes. Uh, we also do a little bit of uh, wild fennel oil in there as well. And also, you know, you see the wild fennel pretty much all over the all place over in the, the place. summertime. Um, so we get a lot of the flour, dry it out sift it out and we use it as a little um, little flavoring as well. And you do it in a nice subtle way. Correct. Some people use uh, say wild fennel pollen and they use too much it, it eclipses things but this is really Absolutely. beautifully integrated. Thank you. And it goes really well with the rosé. Thank you. Very nice. That's what we try to do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> it's delicious. So we are going to try another wine. As soon as I finish this, because it's just so good, I cannot resist. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, this is the sexiest grape there is. There was that fabulous book, The Heartbreak Grape. In oh gosh, I think it was published in about. Do you know the Heartbreak Grape? It's published in about 1991, I mm, think. Mm-hmm. There was a scandal about it that he had plagiarized a bunch of stuff. But I was, I fell in love with Pinot Noir. I went to France in 1990. Um, that was my first or second trip, but I spent quite a bit of time there. And I had in the night in the 80s in in Sonoma County and really in all of uh, northern California there were a lot of doctors who had gone into the restaurant business and the wine business and they were playing I'm sad to say they were playing my cabs bigger than your cab and a lot of things triggered headaches if you got red wine headaches and I had kind of quit drinking wine because it was just 
you know, it was like a baseball bat to the head. And I went to France, and the first night that my daughter was living there, and the first night there, we went out to dinner, and I bought a bottle of wine from the right side of the page, which is I bought according to price. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a very inexpensive uh, Beaujolais, which is, you know, a clone, a Pinot Noir clone. And lo and behold, got up in the morning, didn't have a headache, didn't have a hangover, drank wine every day that I was in France for a month. And it was so good, and I came back, and nobody in California, you could not get Beaujolais by the glass. Um, You couldn't get a good glass of wine at that point in 1990. You couldn't really get a good glass of wine in Sonoma County. in a bar or cafe. You had to either go to a winery or buy it. And at some point, somebody said, you know, if you want Beaujolais, you should try Pinot Noir. And I did, and I just felt head over heels in love. And I was down at Berkeley at Cody's Books, and I looked up, and here was the heartbreak grape, and there was some subtitle about the allure and mystery and sensuality or whatever of Pinot Noir, and I bought it, and I, I wrote this ridiculous um, feature story for the newspaper I was writing at the time called Sex in a Single Grape, which was um, sort of a, a send-up of, if y'all, most of you are too young, but you may have heard of Helen Gurley Brown. Do we all know Helen? Okay. Helen Gurley Brown wrote that book and recorded a record called Sex and the Single Girl. And so I just did this spinoff of her. And it was about four or five years later that Pinot Noir became a thing. But I just absolutely fell head over heels in love with it, and I still am. I think it's a wonderful, sultry varietal. one of the things that the author talked about, and I apologize to him for not remembering his name at the moment. I wasn't planning on talking about it. But one of the things he talked about was it's so wily that it will mutate, that it will refuse to set, that it just it has temper tantrums like Scarlett O'Hara had. How do y'all feel? about that now. Have we tamed Pinot Noir, or is it still a challenge to get it to cooperate with a winemaker? Well, I think uh, Pinot Noir is an interesting, beautiful variety, as you described, and it's one of the reasons we bought Bricolor Vineyards, because Russian River makes an amazing Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. But uh, year to year, depending on the weather conditions, it can the variety can be different year to year, and so you do have the weather challenges. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, the weather in Russian River, in Sonoma County, is wonderful for Pinot Noir. And so generally, you know, I would say nine out of ten years, the the result is magnificent. Mm-hmm. I would say that, um, you know, when you go back to the, to the 80s and early 90s, I got started making Pinot Noir in the early 90s, and it was planted in, in Alexander Valley, in the heart of Alexander Valley. Really? It was planted in the northern parts it's of... very uh, hot. Yeah, it was planted in the northern parts of Sonoma Valley. It was planted in all the areas that uh, probably shouldn't be growing Pinot Noir. But as we, you know, when winery started in the 70s, they would grow all the great varietals. So if you started a winery in the 70s, you would grow Cabernet, you would grow Riesling, you would grow Pinot Noir. Why not? You're a winery. And eventually, over time... Rutherford was not a great area for growing Riesling, was not a great area for growing Pinot Noir, and those mm-hmm. things got phased out. And I think Pinot Noir, when you grow it in the wrong place, mm-hmm. it's going to give you a bad result. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've learned over time is that we're growing Pinot Noir in better and better places mm-hmm. and really pushing the envelope of where it can be grown. It, that being said, it still can be a heartbreak grape in terms of yield. You know, mm-hmm. the yield can be very, very variable. You can have problems with set, especially if you get out in West, further in West County. Um, and it's not, you know, I always say if you're investing in a winery, uh, you buy a piece of land in Oakville, you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You buy a piece of land in Rutherford, you know what you're going to get. If you're planting a vineyard out in Freestone or mm-hmm. along the True Sonoma Coast, um, you don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what's exciting about the varietal is that it's pushing the envelope of where we can grow um, grapes and, you know, high risk, high reward. 
high risk, high reward. Exactly. Absolutely. Thank you. And, you know, in Sonoma County, you know, our diversity is one of our great strengths, Absol- whether it yes. be in varietals or in stylistic uh, differences within the same varietal, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, from the coast with the Pinon Walls that mm-hmm. we have out there or in, into the Russian River Valley. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's quite exciting and, and mm-hmm. always uh, um, fun to see and, and taste those different mm-hmm. uh, types of wines. For a while in, I think it was the late 90s maybe, um, there was a winemaker, and I've never been able to find his name. No one will tell me, and I keep hoping someone will. Um, but his mission was the cabernization of Pinot Noir. And some people followed his pursuit, and Pinot Noirs became very big and very uh, overextracted. And his goal, his stated goal, was to draw in people who draw in lovers of Cabernet to appreciate Pinot Noir. And there was a time where all of a sudden the Pinots were really big and overextracted, and. What I found, one of the things I found about Pinot when I fell in love with it, and one of the producers that I always use in a, as an example, and there are others, but for me it was Gary Farrell. And there was this ephemeral quality, and there was this quality in the bouquet that no other grape has, I don't think. Um, and I coined a term, it hasn't gone on, but I still stand by my term, and it's pinescence. <laughs> and nothing else has it. And if it's there, the Pinot Noir is absolutely breathtaking. And it seems to me if you if you take it too far, if you try to make the grape give you too much, you lose the pinescence. And it seemed like maybe a decade ago that over-extraction, that cabernization of Pinot Noir dropped off. Am I romanticizing it, or have y'all seen that? Any of you? I, I think that Mike, Mike Andy talked about diversity within the within the county. Mm-hmm. I think there's diversity within the varietal too. Mm-hmm. Um, and many winemakers will cut their teeth drinking other. I have, I have friends that make Pinot Noir, but love to drink Spanish. You know, really, you know, wines from Toro, wines from Priorat. Mm-hmm. So they're they're. Um, their register is a little bit different. If you if you grew up drinking Cru Beaujolais and drinking uh, you know uh, wines from Pinot Noir from from uh, Switzerland or from Alsace, you're going to have a different register. Mm-hmm. So the varietal is so diverse and can have mm-hmm. so many different expressions. I do think to your point that when you pick it a little, when it gets overextracted, it loses its per, its true personality. I agree with you. Okay, yeah. thank you. And now we've just got a few minutes left. One thing we haven't talked about is tickets. Yes. Are they still available? They are, but they're going fast. Okay. And uh, people can get those at tasteofsonoma.com. Okay. And what's the cost? Uh, anywhere from 150 to I think it's 225 uh, depending on the level. Of Seems a little lower payment. than in the past. I'm not sure if that's right, but 150 is a pretty good deal it, for it, all it that you get. It is for all what you get. It's an amazing thing to have that many wineries, that right. many chefs, and of course all the entertainment, and it's going to be a beautiful day. And it's, it's truly a taste of Sonoma in one location. Excellent. Um, how do we find Bricolore? You go to... Bricolor, did I say it right? Bricolor Vineyards, that is correct. How do we find you? You go to www.bricolorvineyards.com. It's B-R-I-C-O-L-E-U-R vineyards.com. We're at 7394 Star Road in Windsor, and we look forward to you you coming to visit for a tasting. Excellent. And how do we get to Bonovio? So Bonovio is located just west of Santa Rosa, just off of Piner on Hartman, Little Hartman Lane out in uh, western, uh, you know, Sonoma County. Uh, you can reach, you can find the wines online at BonoviaWinery.com, and we're open for tasting by appointment seven days a week. We didn't ask you about uh, being open for tastings. Yes, we're open for uh, private tastings today. We have a number of, uh, we have a hard hat tour since we're doing um, construction on our winery barn today. Okay. And we have a tasting in our uh, bocce ball and rose garden area. So oh, we'd nice. love to come. Bocce. Oh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, next year we'll be open for public tastings. Excellent. And see me? 
Uh, see me. You can uh, see us on the uh, seemewinery.com. Um, we are open seven days a week, uh, tasting room, um, as well as uh, we have our food programs uh, from events, the weddings, and all those type of things, which uh, are you can call into the winery to book those type of things. And then, as again, like I mentioned earlier, um, we do have a pizza cafe uh, Thursday through Saturday. That's really great to know. Which is a lot of fun because yes. you can go there, you can sit down in the Redwood And you don't Grove have to make reservations, and, you just go, show exactly. up. Exactly, yep. Okay, excellent. Well, on that note, I want to thank all of my guests, Mike Sullivan from Bonovio, Colin Vazoler. Vazoler. Vazoler, Simi Winery, Mark Hansen, Precolor Winery. I'm going to be expert at saying that really soon. <laughs> Precolor Vineyards? Precolor Vineyards, <laughs> not winery. Vineyards, not winery. And Michael Haney, uh, the executive director of Sonoma County Vineyards. And you want to go to tasteofsonoma.com. I want to tell you, meet me back here next Sunday. Clark Wolf, man about everything to do with food and farming. Um, He's going to be here. He started something really interesting. Um, Grand Harvest. He's trying to, to... put his arms around all of the harvest events that are taking place in September and October. I'll be talking about an event that I'll be doing at Duckworth Farm on September 12th. So he will be here next Sunday. The following Sunday, we will have um, oh Doug Gosling. Doug Gosling, who has shaped the spectacular mother garden at Occidental Arts and Ecology since the 1970s. He's the most gifted gardener I've ever known in my life, and he is going to talk about the fall sale that is coming up in October at Occidental Arts and Ecology. We have really exciting shows for you, and I want to tell you, Mouthful is coming up on its 25th anniversary, the beginning of November, and going to do something really fun and really special. In the meantime, have a great week. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Enjoy life around the table. And meet me back here next Sunday at 6 o'clock for another episode of Mouthful. Smart talk about food, wine, and farming here on KRCB FM Radio 91. Grapes are covering the grassland They're buying up for family bars Selling out, who can blame them? Why?